All right, we are back with another uh, episode of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Um, about ready to be joined by two of Pittsburgh Soccer Now's newest contributors, uh, Colton Qureshi and Matthew Baldwin, who have been out on the prowl, um, checking out Riverhounds practices and preseason games so far. Um, so looking forward to bringing them on, and uh, we'll do that very shortly. But just a quick few quick housekeeping items, if you will, um, updates on some of our coverage coming up in the coming week or so. Uh, we, The Hounds will be uh, scrimmaging on Sunday against West Virginia University, so we will definitely have coverage of that. Stay tuned on Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Look for that. The Hounds uh, are right now are one win, one draw, and no losses so far in the preseason, um, so we'll be following how things transpire. Um, between now and the end of the preseason, as they get ready for the big season opener, it's going to be an ABQ in Albuquerque. Um, of course, the Riverhounds then will come home uh, for the home opener one week later. So we're looking forward to all of that. But it's a lot of work to do. Bob Lilly just uh, talked about that uh, recently. So we're going to go over that with uh, both Colton and Matthew. Uh, they're going to be coming on the podcast in just a second. All right, we're back here with Matthew and Colton. Guys, welcome. Uh, you know, I know, Matthew, you've been here probably a little bit longer, but welcome to Pittsburgh. Uh, welcome to the Pittsburgh Soccer Now team. Uh, this is your public introduction uh, with me as the host. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's been great to have your contributions of Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Um, yeah, welcome aboard, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been a great couple of months since I've been with here. I've been here for a couple of months, uh, covered the sad uh, playoff loss for the for the Hounds. But yeah, these past couple of months have been absolutely great. So yeah, pleasure to be making my debut on debut on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, just been here just a couple of months now and uh, moved here just before said playoff loss. And uh, thankfully for me, didn't get to attend, but got to attend the last couple home games of the season, which were a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, just glad to be uh, glad to be helping out, glad to be around the team. Absolutely. So, yeah, Colton, maybe you could start us off just because you're you're a little bit newer. I think some of our um, followers had caught some of Matthew's coverage last year in the fall and, and some things. But just take us uh, up to speed in terms of where you are uh, in terms of professional writing and, and soccer um, uh, coverage that you've had in your in your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I first really earnestly got into soccer coverage around the time um, New York City FC launched back in 20, 2015 in MLS. Um, I'm, I'm from the New York area, so uh, very much got involved there with a couple of local outlets and uh, ultimately ended up writing for SBI Soccer, um, doing a little bit more broad coverage uh, as I as I got sort of my writing feet under me. Um, that led into, and I, I feel bad um, for everybody else no, around you and I, Colton, because there will be twice as obnoxious about New York stuff, probably. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> objectively, objectively, New York is great. Um, better than, better than everywhere else for many things. Um, I'm not going to say what things, cause I, I, I want people to have their, their enjoyments. Um, but Matthew's uh, like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, what is going on? Here? I will take I will take London over New York City any day. <laughs> I can just say that much. Yeah, I've enjoyed London when I've gotten over. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah, Colin. I, mean, I, I interrupted I also, you. I will also take, I will also take Pittsburgh over both cities. By the way, 
just to be just to be the hype man. There just you to go. Play the hype okay. Man. Well, we're all I'll here. Take so. yeah. There you go. That, that'll score you some points. Yeah, that, you're scoring big time points now. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry, Colton. You were talking about your no, no. yeah. Total, totally fine. After um, SBI, I, I was did a stint down at um, the USL League office. Um, was doing comms and uh, PR work down there. Um, you know, just across the properties. Uh, a lot of the focus was down on USL League Two back in the day. That was you know PDL then. Um, but so I've just been around the lower leagues for for quite a while now, and and have always enjoyed the sort of that aspect of soccer here, and and you know, kind of diving into it. So Matthew, why don't you, I don't know if too many people know your journey uh, in terms of uh, sports writing and obviously across the pond, you definitely got your start back home, um, back in England. Yeah, so basically I wanted to be a sports journalist since I was about 12 years old and you know, have basically focused my education and career basically around that. So I did a uh, bachelor's degree in sports journalism at the University of East London. Then about midway through, decided I was a lot better speaking my views than I was writing them. So I wanted to focus on my broadcasting career. So I went and did uh, a master's in broadcast at sports broadcasting at the University of Staffordshire, which is uh, where the pundits in the UK go to do their training, which is why like Alex Scott, for instance, is our most, our most famous uh, alumni there. So taught by the best and, just moved into the sports journalism world back in the UK, doing some freelance stuff, doing some work for a couple of companies. The last post was with uh, Give Me Sport, covering the NFL for them. But obviously moving over here, I had to take a bit of a hiatus whilst I moved over and my work authorization came through, going through the K-1 visa journey. But now that's all good. And you know, I wanted to kick the kick the football um, a little bit more. So I, so I decided to you know, get in touch, contact with John and have loved it ever since. Yeah. And, you know, and now <clears throat> back in here in the States, like the dynamics between soccer and football and, and all the main sports, I'm sure for you, that's it's interesting to see how where soccer is now. So I, I'll, I'll always say soccer. I can't help it. But um, where it where it is now versus maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Um, but your perspective is, is completely different, I think. Yeah, I think it is interesting to see the the growth of the growth of soccer as a you know as a sport you know always coming over to i you know I had va vacationed in orlando a lot of times and you'd always see there was always the man united shirts there's always liverpool shirts everywhere but now even when i go down to like local you know local pubs and i'm like the bulldog or pipers for instance it's a whole variety like i see a nottingham forest shirt i see a sheffield united shirt. i've seen three or four fulham shirts which Fulham fan myself is absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I'm just the wide array of the fact that everyone has picked their teams for whatever reason. They don't just support the big ones. I think it's fantastic. I think that's a pretty good sign of how the footballing world and the soccer world has, has started to grow in Pittsburgh. And you know, and, and, and the USA as a whole. So long may it continue. And Colton, you and I, I mean, we I grew up in New York City area watching honestly, watching Pele and 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 that generation just really introduce football, introduced the world sport um, at a time when it was really foreign to a lot of people. Even though there was a history there, you know, a hundred maybe close to well now a hundred plus year history. It's if you include the Open Cup and the immigration and all that kind of stuff. But New York, New Jersey area, and you and I were talking about this off off the record uh, at one point. Um, you know, it, it, there's so much history there. It's such an interesting area in terms of soccer. Um, so I'm sure you 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 were around it much much of your younger life. But you're you're younger than me, so 
um, you have definitely have different perspectives as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was actually surprisingly a pretty late comer to, to soccer in general. Mm -hmm. I never played it growing up. Um, I was a baseball kid, um, through and through. And, uh, as my younger brother was playing, he, he was always more talented at, at athletics than I was. And, uh, he, he started progressing pretty, pretty well in soccer. And I started paying a little more attention and I started going to all of his games and I started going to games. I mean, I'd always gone to like Metro stars games, Red Bull games, just for, just for the fun of it, but never really was super invested, just enjoy a sports atmosphere. Um, and then as I sort of got more into it, you know, like I said, around the NYCFC launch, I started seeing more stuff around the cosmopolitan soccer league, right. With like Lansdowne Yonkers and a lot of these sort of smaller clubs that have been around the New York, New Jersey area for forever. I mean, I'm wearing a Motown shirt today. Um, and so really got sort of into the people who were, who were really just playing it for the love of it, who had grown up watching it and playing it and seeing that sort of become more popularized and seeing that become more normal and more people sort of coming into it that way, um, which has been, which has been really awesome. Kind of a good segue is, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh area and what you've seen so far in the soccer scene. Uh, you know, both of you have been here since, you know, last year and um, that sort of thing. Colton, um, you know, what are your impressions? I know we've had a little bit of talk about um, the Open Cup and Steel City FC and, you know, because of, you know, again, you, you were just talking about Lansdowne. Uh, you, Lansdowne knocked off the Riverhounds one year way back in the day, you know. So these, 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 pro, these, um, Clubs are just so essential to the heart and soul of U.S. soccer, aren't they? Yeah, um, you know, definitely. You know, huge, huge proponent of the U.S. Open Cup myself. Um, do do a lot of writing for the for the Cup.us on on the side, and um, it's great to see that Steel City is going to be in it this year, and hopefully, we get an, an intercity matchup because more. Um, but yeah, growing up, you know, in New York, New Jersey you see a lot of like these clubs like Lansdowne, like Motowns that are pretty consistent competitors at the amateur level and end up translating that into the open cup and playing these professional teams and, and beating professional teams from time to time. Um, you know, the reality is, is MLS can only cover so many players, so many fans, so many places, and USL can come in and cover so many fans, so many players, so many places. And there's always going to be room for these, for these amateur outfits, for these, for these places, for people who aren't playing MLS and USL to play, to get together, to compete and to have a chance to play a USL or an MLS team. So, um, you know, doing the USL league Two work, um, you know, being familiar with them, MPSL, UPSL, and even just the smaller regional local leagues, it's, you know, you see people who, you know, would really, without these leagues, wouldn't get a shot to keep interacting with the game that they love and get to do it on a stage that they never even imagined, right? Seeing seeing maybe some of these Steel City guys playing at Highmark Stadium would be, I mean, for them would be incredible, right? It would be a dream. Absolutely. And Matthew, I mean, you grew up around the FA Cup. I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure you've had some experiences with that, but but of course, the maybe the first go around with the US Open Cup, I'm sure you'll find out to be a lot of fun too. Yeah, it was. I mean, I... Obviously, when I knew I was moving over to Pittsburgh and I'd started taking a little bit more interest in the Riverhounds, yeah, I went to a couple of games when I came over in 2022. But obviously, yeah, last year was when I started to really take a pay, pay attention. And obviously, it coincided with the open with the Open Cup run and just that that great story. You know, I was one of the fools that I think was I, I even got up at one o'clock in the one o'clock in the morning to watch the the Cincinnati game and 
you know, mm-hmm. went to bed after 20 minutes after that ridiculous offside decision. Um, but yeah, just you know, the, the magic of these of these cups is is great. And you know, as Colton says, the chance for the little guys to play, you know, play the big guys is is absolutely fantastic. And you know, we've got the, the magic of the FA Cup. If that's something that can be replicated with, you know, the magic of the US Open Cup last year can show that anyone from the lower leagues can, you know, can can do the business. I mean, what I mean, whether or not that's still the magic is still going to be there with the whole MLS decision, we don't know. But even but even so, if one of these USL one or two teams go deep into the competition, then you know, all the better. Oh yeah, I I mean I I think that's that's a big part of the anticipation of uh, the Riverhound season of what I enjoy most about March and April and and May in soccer in this country. It's you know you get the beginning of the seasons for the domestic leagues, but to throw that open cup cherry on top and i love march madness i'm a huge march madness guy so to go from march madness and then into the u.s open cup i think it's just it's it's the gift that keeps on giving i mean um uh i just love it i love when we get to that point in april and um and and early may for sure um all right well it, it, you know one point uh that I think is going to be very interesting if the Riverhounds have a chance this year to make another deep open cup run, I think it'll be because for the same reason, the way the squad was assembled last year and a lot of depth in terms of players, Bob Lilly really believes um, could be start in the lineup at any, on any given night. And I think looking at the 19 rostered players, there are some people right now who might question you know, maybe players 14, maybe 15 through 19. Are these guys, can they be starters at this level? We don't know. There's still some question marks. But in the interviews that both of you have done with Bob Lilly and with the coaches and with some of the players, what I'm hearing, and I think, Matthew, your most recent interview, it it really feels like Bob has a lot of confidence in the players he already has on the roster. And um, from some of the trialists look like they're going to be, um, if they are signed to this club um, are going to be pretty good additions. So um, I don't know who wants to go first, but um, Colton, maybe if you want to kind of ta- tackle that a little bit. Uh, sure. So, so my first uh, training instance was, was week one before the um, Indy 11 game. Um, things were very much still early days, just a couple days in, um, lots of trial lists. And it seems like that, that list has maybe been cut down a little bit since, since then. Um, but you know, we've, we've talked about just sort of the level of turnover that we're seeing this off season. And, you know, that's nothing, that's nothing new. Um, even, even I, you know, a fairly relatively newcomer to Pittsburgh is aware that, that's that's the way of things like some some players are going to leave some big names are going to leave and it's next guy up right that's always been sort of the mentality um i think you have a, a pretty consistent core that that bob has relied on for years some guys who have been with him you know since the very beginning here um you know even some from from rochester and um those guys you know are always going to know exactly what bob wants to do they're going to they're going to know what the new guys need to learn. And so I think a lot of Bob's confidence probably comes from the fact that he has this core who can, who can sort of integrate everybody else and get them up to speed. And, and, you know, he had mentioned in that, in that first time um, I had spoken with him earlier on that he felt that, um, that the guys were getting up to speed pretty quick. He felt pretty good about this point in the preseason versus where he's felt in previous years. Right. And, um, 
you know, some of the new guys coming in are are some first time starters, some rookies. Um, but you have the veterans who are coming in. Some of the trialists are veterans. Um, you know, they've they've been around a professional environment. They understand what it takes to get up to speed. And ultimately, you know, that's that's what the veterans will help them do. Um, and like you said, they're going to have to do that in order to continue the success that we've seen from them, make a deep open cup run, um, compete with, you know, hopefully these MLS teams um, and and whoever they put out there. Yeah, Matthew, I know you were there. You, I think you might have been yes. there the first day. Were you there the first day or the second day? Yeah, yeah, I was there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there first day and you could tell that there was a lot of, obviously a lot of rustiness, but yeah, what I got from Bob Lillian, was, this was one of the quotes that I got from him was he is going to lean on, on those senior players because there is this mm. constant turnover right. of, of you know, the, uh, but the, the other pieces as there were. So he's going to rely on the likes of uh, Danny Rivera of, you know, um, Tenardo Forbes, for instance, to be the core that he leans on and says, you know, if there are some bits that he can't get across, you know, how does he want Lily ball to be played? He can, he can rely on those, on those lot. Uh, to try and to try and get their message across, so it's not it's not all on him. So I think that's going to be very important is for him to lean on those guys and you know those guys to pick up you know pick up some of the pick up some of the slack. Uh, it was, I found it really interesting too that um, I guess USL Championship uh, has been running some some uh, things on Twitter with some of the well known players in the league asking them to who would you go in a you know five v five battle with uh, across the league and of course Canardo went. He put Robbie Mertz and Danny Griffin, both of them, on his squad. So uh, that tells you the level of respect that um, Canardo has for um, for his teammates, his current teammates, his longtime teammates. And uh, Colton, I know you spoke with both Robbie Mertz and and, and Danny Griffin, right? Yeah, yeah, I spoke with both of them, um, you know, as guys who, who've been around and who understand sort of Bob's expectations coming into a new year. And um, they were they were, you know, really effusive of the idea that while while the faces may change, you know, and while Bob will make adjustments as he does, um, there are certain core principles that he expects year in and year out. He wants to, you know, put pressure on opposition. He wants to make their lives uncomfortable. Um, he wants to be effective when we have the ball, not just hold it for the sake of holding it. And, you know, those two guys sort of just at, at the center of it all. Right. They're the cogs in midfield and they are so much of it runs through them. Um, so to have them have that consistency and uh, sorry, to have them and have the consistency through them, um, that'll help guys like, you know, um, uh, Babacar DN coming in to, to hopefully fill that, that void left by Dequa and help, you know, the, you know, new goalkeepers coming in and sort of help, you know, all of these, all of these trialists who may or may or may not join, uh, learn sort of what's expected of them and sort of, you know, how, how to properly fit in and how to properly contribute to those areas where, where, you know, goals may need to be replaced or chances created may need to be replaced. Yeah. And so, so far it's been two preseason matches. They've had a win and a draw. The first one, both of you saw was the draw against Indy uh, 11 and then maybe a little bit more of an eventful uh, Friday match uh, against Loudon um, and Matthew. What, what is anybody? Does anything stand out yet? And from from ninety minutes of action that that you saw, um, from the ninety minutes I saw, I mean, no, me and consort. Not, I wouldn't say really stand out, just because I think the 
the effect of it being the first preseason game, you know, just you know, within a week of them starting a preseason, it, you could you could tell that there was a lot of rust that needed to be shaken up. So there wasn't a lot of chances for players to, you know, really get a spring in their step and you know and showcase what they what they really have. It was more of a fitness exercise than a you know game plan and performance exercise. Um, the one, ironically, that stood out for me is a player who's no longer here. And uh, me and me and Cole were talking about this. It was a. Uh, Jeldrick Dalman, the big big center forward, you know, he only came on with about you know 15 mm. minutes left, but caused mm. caused a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, as that big, big as that big physical, um, sadly, obviously, Bob Lilly saw something, or maybe there was something behind the scenes, maybe got a better offer elsewhere. We don't, uh, we don't know, but yeah, that he he was causing a few problems, but obviously, he just didn't make it. If I had to give one that's still on the roster, I would probably give it to Aiden O'Toole. I think he was. Was um, a very first game in the in a Bob Lilly in a Pittsburgh Rohan uniform, and he seemed to settle into the game plan pretty well. So, if I had to say one that's still on the roster, I'd give it to him. And Colton, on your end, I mean, is there anything that you saw that stood out or different? Yeah, so um, you know, I, I I think Matt really hit on it that that even even you know when we spoke to Bob Lilly after that game, you know, his entire premise there was it was it was a little sloppier than we like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's still coming together. You know, we want to be more aggressive pressing. We want to be more, you know, he he mentioned specifically let, allowing the opponent to have touch around touches around the box, right? And wanting to close that down quicker. So getting guys up to speed about knowing when they have to react. Um, but in terms of in terms of players that that seem to impress, um, definitely agree with Aiden O'Toole. I mean, he he was out there to start the first half, I believe, and um looked like, you know, a a busy cog in midfield, right? The type of guy that Bob loves runs around, has a complete motor and just gets, gets all up and down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Dahlman was, was super impressive in that last 15 minutes, um, generated the most dangerous chance of that game. Um, but I know that the team is also looking at, um, Kaziah Sterling, um, who sounds like he's finally, he's finally around camp. Um, and, uh, Marcus Nagelstad also in from Chattanooga on trial, um, who's, you know, veteran leader knows how, knows how to score. Certainly did it at Chatt- Chattanooga enough. Um, mm-hmm. But um, we also saw a bit of, you know, uh, Langston Blackstock at, um, at left wing back, essentially, mm-hmm. um, where where he provided a lot of speed on the outside and provided a, a, some dangerous opportunities, just being able to outpace people run by him. Um, you know, we saw a bit of um, a bit of Robbie Mertz and uh, Danny Griffin um, and Robbie, apparently, you know, in that Loudon games got, you know, got his first goal off off the books for the year. Um, so he seems to be having a pretty comfortable preseason so far. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, Dien and Kizzle will probably get that first initial one, two look at striker and Dien got his first goal in, in, uh, in Loudon as well. So hopefully that get that partnership gets off the ground running. Um, they seem to, you know, as, as, you know, as we said, it was a bit of a sloppy first game, but those two, you know, were leading the line, they were up front. And, and I think that's probably what we could expect to see there. Did we see Edward Kiza um, kind of underneath, like he was last year with Decor? Decor, Decor usually played up top. And then kind of Kiza did a lot of the dirty work um, as kind of a second forward, but he was usually underneath or making those, you know, different types of runs. Yeah, sort of supporting, uh, sort of supporting Canada forms the attacking midfield. Yeah, that was pretty mm-hmm. much, yeah, he's pretty much stayed with what he was doing for the majority of last year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, oh, and then of course the other battle, I think both of you wrote about it, uh, is the goalkeepers and uh, uh, goalkeeper coach John Bush is always a great interview. Um, and Eric Dick is the veteran, of course. Uh, Jacob Randolph is the the younger, you know, right out of college player. But this kind of goes along the, I don't know, the typical 
um, the typical way that Bob and and his staff usually go about bringing keep, keepers into uh, into the into the mix of things. Um, if he has a keeper who he has on that second um, year in terms of contract, um, that he could the the Hounds have the contract option. Usually they stay with that keeper if they like him. Obviously this year, um, Jamali Wait his contract uh, expired and they're just they're just going to start fresh as they seems like they always do. Um, but what are both of your impressions about um, what you've seen from the keepers? Again, not much I can tell, but, but in terms of even manner, I know um, Colton, you, you spoke with Eric. Yeah. Um, so Eric got the first 45 minutes against Indy. Um, second 45 went to Gabriel Perot to the trialist with the teams. Looks like he's, he'll try to compete for that third goalkeeper spot. Um, you know, Eric, Eric is a veteran. Um, he's been around uh, MLS teams. He's been on MLS rosters. He's gotten some appearances there. He's been in USL before. He's gotten some appearances there. He, he understands what this level of play requires. Um, and, you know, he was, he was very, um, very encouraging about with uh, Jacob Randolph getting to work with Gabriel Parada and, and sort of using the goalkeeper room, um, all three of them using the goalkeeper room to sort of push each other forward so that whoever ends up in that starting role, which, which I noticed um, we got a bit of a non-committal answer from Mr. Bush on that. Um, whoever ends up in that starting role is ready. Um, you know, I, I think, I think Eric Dick as the veteran sort of makes a lot of sense there. Um, I think, you know, there's, they obviously see a lot of promise in Jacob Randolph and and all of them obviously learning from John Bush is is a huge boon, right? Mm. It's 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 one thing to start scrap from scratch with three players who've never been with the team before, um, but having sort of a veteran goalkeeper who's been around the professional game and understands sort of the the, the work ethic required, and also having John Bush there to sort of guide the way, um, it, it lends a little bit more encouragement to sort of that position in a, in a place where there's a bit of you know still up in the airness to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I wanted to add too that. In both times that Danny Vitiello, who became one of the top USL goal, goalkeepers, and Jamali Waite, both times that they came, uh, kind of risen to fame, if you will, or gotten their opportunity and kind of seized it. In both instances, there were veterans that that went into camp with them, and they kind of eventually outperformed them. But yeah, you never know. Just, yeah, yeah. So, and I just want to sort of old, uh, echo what Colin was saying. Is Eric Dick is probably going to be is going to be the starter. I think it would have to take something, you know, a bit catastrophic for him to to lose that spot. And I think, you know, with the experience is obviously one thing, but just the way, like when I was training yesterday, just the way he sort of carried himself and you know during drills and everything, he so he has that confidence that I'm not going to say that it's it's not necessarily an arrogance that he knows he's going to be number one, but there's level of, of authority with it. Just the way he was helping John Bush out with the drills and talking to the other players, you know that he's the senior figure there, and he again he knows that this is this is his spot. And again, just based on on what I've seen, he does look like the better stopper, at least in terms of the in terms of the drills I've seen. So, yeah, Eric Dick, it's Eric Dick is going to be number is going to be number one. I would be very surprised if if it doesn't go if it goes another way rather. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a Kansas City guy and he's, I guess, a big Chiefs fan. So I'm sure he's happy with uh, with uh, what happened on Sunday. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, um, you know, obviously we're heading into this. We're still about halfway through the preseason um, and we have some different things going on here. Um, obviously, I, I, it's got to be if you look at the forward position, um, you would think they have three on the roster now. You mentioned Langston Blackstock and I mentioned Kiza. And, you know, Langston, 
I, I kind of look at him on the on the outside. Um, that's kind of where he he had some some good. Uh, he made some progress last year as a player. He really grew. Um, and I thought that's kind of where he would be. Um, if they're going to go with the lone target striker, Bob, he's just tactically just does all kinds of stuff with everybody else underneath. So I think that a guy like Langston, he knows the system another year into it. Um, he should be someone that they could really count on. Um, but interesting to see what happens with the trialists and everything. I, I still think they need someone who's going to at least make def uh, the back lines and keepers and defending midfielders like just they need someone with that presence um, that kind of Dequa evolved into last year uh, in the last couple of seasons um, and became. But uh, I think that the, obviously the two big name trialists are, are could probably do that. But uh, I don't know if either, both of you agree with me on that. I, I still think they need somebody who can make maybe a little bit of an impact, um, you know, not bigger than the team, but part of the team type of player. But uh, I don't know. What do you think about that, Colton? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. I think I think forward's a clear short position right now in terms of depth. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think you know for what for what Blackstock provides out wide, just just in terms of sheer physicality, the ability to get forward, the ability to push defenses back. I think that's really where he works best. Um, you know, I, I you know, Kiz is going to be on the field, so it's really about who you're who you're pairing up with him in that in that sort of role that Dequa played. Um, and so, like those those two trialists, I mean. Being being the names they are, I mean, I mean, Marcus is Chattanooga's all-time goals leader. Mm -hmm. Um, as a guy who watches a lot of a lot of Nisa soccer and has a lot of friends in Chattanooga, you know, I've I've heard so much effusive phrase of him and what he he very you know, he knows how defenses work, he knows how to get behind, he knows when to time that run. Um, and so he can provide a bit of that pressure that you're talking about. And obviously with Kazaya, you know, he's been so good at the USL League One level with Tormenta. You know, it's their all-time goals leader at this point. Um, you know, they're they're always threatening in the attack. And um it's you know, he's 25, he's still relatively young too, he's still developing. Um, so I I think you bring on, you know, at least one, if not both of them ultimately, just so you have um I, I do think Kiza and Deanna are probably your one two to start the year, just that it seems to be what what you know, Bob wants to go with. Um, but you're going to need to rotate that over the course of the mm -hmm. season. If you're going to make a deep open cup run, if you're going to make a, a player shield challenge again, um, you need depth at the forward position. Um, you, you need at least up there, at least four, five wouldn't hurt. And one thing, no doubt, <laughs> excuse me, um, is that Bob forwards have to cover a lot of ground. I mean, no doubt about that. Right, Matthew? Yeah, they do. And obviously with the with the way that you know with the way the lily ball works is you are gonna have to do a lot of you are you're gonna have to it's not gonna be the center forward just stays within the you know within the box. They they wanna bring in players, they wanna bring in players from the place. That's what you know some of the drills they were working with uh yesterday was getting runners in from midfield to to fill the role. And if that means someone has to, you know, drag their man out wide, then that's what then that's what they're gonna have to do. Yeah, and so um I like to maybe um switch over, talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the other question marks heading into 2024. Um, Pittsburgh, I mean, really turned out last year for the Riverhounds. I mean, attendance, it wasn't even close in terms of breaking the attendance records. Never have seen crowd, uh, an average attendance over 4,000 um, in the Highmark Stadium era, and they 
they eclipsed 5,000 a game. So um, that's the momentum I think that the the franchise is hoping for this year. Um, I, I can't see why they can't do that again. Um, right, Colton? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's been, you know, as an outsider coming in, it's been really cool to see that attendance sort of jump up and jump up and jump up um, to the point where, you know, I, I got to go see those last couple home games of the year and it was it was just crazy. I mean, it was packed. The fans were intense. It was, it was really quite an environment. Um, and, you know, I think you see, we're seeing really across USL, like a lot of cities who were just sort of, you know, I think for a long time, the appeal was maybe one day we'll be in MLS. And I think what you're seeing now is a lot of USL cities really saying we have a good thing here and we should come, we should come out and support this. And this should Absolutely. be the thing that we grow, forget everything else, just come to this. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think you're seeing a lot of fans really get on board with that. Um, and it become like a real event here. Um, you know, we, we've had conversations about sort of, you know, how the penguins over a longer term, right. You and I, John talked a bit about where, where they started versus where they are now and how that ultimately after eventually you get sort of a younger generation who's come up where the attendance was always there. And this is the thing you go to, and it sort of becomes this self-sustaining thing um speak um you know some of some of the comm staff over at the hounds um talking about how the marketing strategy has shifted starting to really battle for relevancy in the city and and make sure you know that the name's out there that when there's events you know involving the other big three teams that you're getting a presence there you're you're no you're, you're making sure that you're involved um and i think that really does have a longer term impact getting getting your face there getting the team's logo there getting just the branding out in front of people and letting them know that it's going on a lot of people wouldn't come would just be sheer you know they don't know it and and once you know it and once you experience it you, you know it's there and you want to come back um so i think starting to get those people in at that at that average level shows that that word is spreading you're getting new people in they're having a good time they're telling their friends and it sort of draws more and more people in yeah, Matthew, I mean, you, you experienced it a bit last year, too. You've, you've kind of felt that the uh, the crowd and, and you know, we were at that playoff game, too. Even even that night, even though it was disappointing, there was just a vibe in that place. It was just it was incredible, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And you can tell that the, you know, the Riverhounds are trying to make themselves more, I say, more relevant and bigger in the city. The fact that for the national anthem, they got Jeff Jefferson, for yeah. instance, you know, it's, Something that again, that's getting the penguins involved to say, right, yeah. you know, this isn't this isn't three this isn't a three sport city. This is a four sport city. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, this is even though the, the hands on in the major league, this could be, you know, a major sport in this in the city. And if last year, I think I said this, I think that we discussed this after that, after that game in the video, is they have sort of set the benchmark and the foundation for what could possibly be going on moving forward. Again, there will be some. You know, maybe some young kids because the hounds do a great job in terms of looking after, in terms of looking after youngsters and making sure there's activities there and there's you know if they're not one hundred percent in you know in love in love with the sport that there's you no know, there's always the bouncy castle down the thing there's the tailgate where you can do some games there's always things to get that that, that makes it a family nice area you know tickets are very reasonably priced and there will be some kids there that you know weren't that interested in soccer but went along for the first time. Mm -hmm love the game loves the game with him and just yeah to say mum dad can we can we go back and that's all you that's all you can hope for again are they going to eclipse the you know the record attendances again this year i'd i'd love i'd love to see it and if they do all the better and with things like the world cup coming in two years and you know, 
know, you know, the UL is seen as the major sport. If they can combine the hype and the interest around around the two, then then yeah, soccer looks it looks great in the city of Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's um, wrap up one more topic. Um, is the the cowns are, are going to do a kit reveal? It seems like that's a thing now. Like everybody's got to do a big kit reveal. I, see, I know Colton uh, and uh, Red Bulls did their, did theirs. I think yesterday. Um, you know, so I, it's it's a thing. Heinz History Center um, next week uh, in the evening. It should be a pretty fun atmosphere. We will um, definitely be dispatching some PSN. Per, uh, you guys are both um, welcome to go to that. I uh, but the but the question is what any predictions in terms of kits, um, what you might anticipate. Um, I don't know, Colton, you want to go first? What's your predictions on the, the kit reveal? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I love a good kit reveal. I don't know if like, <laughs> I don't know how much you guys pay attention. Just like general MLS stuff, but like all today's, which has been on like the MLS subreddit, just a wave of kit reveals. Um, so it's definitely like a thing now. Um, I it definitely is. plan on heading down to the, to the history center on Wednesday and, uh, you know, it seems like, um, you know, we have Charlie coming in for the first year mm -hmm. who is largely been a Mexican market company, you know, broke into the U S really with San Diego as like their big professional test market and is now taking like a further step. And, and to me, that's always like a good thing when you get like a, when you get a manufacturer like that, when you're, when you're, when you have sort of like Adidas and Nike, you, right. you're sort of getting a template. You sort of know what the general vibe is, even if you can customize it a little bit, when you get a company like Charlie, who's trying to make like an impact, you get like a bit more attention, you get a bit more detail, yeah. you know, the, uh, the invite like said something about having a, having a, uniquely celebrating celebration of Pittsburgh, a unique celebration of Pittsburgh for the Jersey, both, both home and away this year, which is, which is cool. You get both. Um, usually it's just one or the other for, for a kit reveal. And, um, you know, it seems like they're going all out with it. We're going to have a video presentation. There'll be some, some, some quotes from some staff. So it seems like they're pretty excited about it, which makes me pretty excited about it. Cause now I get to, you know, spend more of my money, <laughs> another Jersey to fill the drawer that I don't have any room in anymore well i i think it's exciting and i don't you know there have been some other things between now and uh, between you know the current and time and 2018 when they they unveiled a new crest which you know at the time i thought was a pretty big deal and i, I was definitely there for that i enjoyed that in the evening um uh, quite a bit but i'm gonna um gonna go off the rails a little bit but it just it makes me think i was you know i was a college coach at one time and this is back in the early late 90s and we uh, at point park university now university um you know our, our my guy was like uh the soccer store in in squirrel hill was like my supplier and he's like well what do you think about uh, you know we had like a couple you know usual umbro and maybe adidas back then what do you think about this product called Deodora? I was like, I don't know anything about Deodora, you know, back then. And so we went with Deodora and Deodora gave us a lot more, you know, we got a lot more um, with that. I mean, it was a small college, so we're not talking big bucks here or anything, but, you know, we got shoes and we got, you know, we got more. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, we went with it. I don't even know. Does Deodora even exist anymore? I think yeah. it. I think it does on yeah, some yeah. on some small on some small level. I, I have seen some, I have seen some kids yeah. on there. But yeah, I just wanted to follow on what you know, touch on what uh, Colton said. Yeah, the fact that I've just got it up here. You know, the first public appearance of the team's new custom designed home and away jerseys that uniquely celebrate the city of Pittsburgh. And I think, as Colton said, when you're with Adidas and Nike, you've got template kits, and it's all pretty much the same. But if you've seen some of the designs that Charlie have, you know, in the Mexican team. 
they go, I'm not going to say garish, but they go all out in making them, in mm -hmm. making each kit unique. And the way they've sort of worded that, I I will confess, I, I have no inside knowledge or anything like that. It's just my guess. I would love to see a yellow sh yellow shirt and then sort of black outlines of the three rivers just across the just across the front. That's the way I want. And then the away shirt, all black and then yellow, the skyline. That's what I want to see. If they're going with celebrate the city of Pittsburgh, that's what I'm thinking they're going with. And I'd love to see it. But again, whatever Charlie produce, I'm sure is going to be absolutely fantastic. Because again, everything they've done before shows you that they they go all out. My my one prediction would be there will be a third jersey and it'll be a 25th year commemorative. However, they want to, you know, kind of create that, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I think there's been a, you know, there's always a, did you see the the Colorado um, Rapids leak? It was a couple of, of Denver Nugget players were wearing a jersey like the day before the um, reveal. Uh, so if, if you check Denver Nuggets Twitter, yeah. it was it was on there. I, I and um, of course one of our own uh, Mark Goodman, um, soccer rabbi, um, has shared that. Um, and I wouldn't have seen it unless he, he saw that. Uh, he shared that, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Is that they must have, you know, shared their their new jerseys with some of the the, the Nuggets players, and then they wore it a day too soon. Um, yeah, I think I think Atlanta did the same thing with some Hawks players too. Mm -hmm. had them wear it in like the pregame walk in mm -hmm. um, like, you know, because the, the NBA is such like it's there's the whole fashion show with that. Right, right. But like but that's also like a huge part of it. Right. Like even in terms of like drawing the crowds, jerseys are fashion. Like you, you get people walking around wearing the jersey and, and that people start looking at it and they say, what team is that? They like it. That drives interest. You get people walking around with that and that matters. Yeah, I mean, heck, you yeah. know, walk. I mean, it's interesting because downtown Pittsburgh and our center city area, it's still a haven for people to come to and go do things, but it's not what it used to be. Um, so you can't like walk. I mean, I can imagine walking through Market Square on a Friday before a Steeler game and everybody's wearing their Steeler jerseys, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing you would hope to capture something some somewhere along the line someday uh here in pittsburgh with 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 riverhounds jerseys but i'll tell you what i drive around enough i see this sometimes i see the stickers on the cars and i see the people wearing jerseys here and there and i think it's it trust me both of you this is not what it was like 20 years ago it, it was not yeah i'm sort of seeing the same like yeah whenever i'm whenever i'm down tonight i see a riverhound sticker i say yes good for you you and i again i am seeing more and more of them pop up so again the more the more we see them, the more they pull the right thing. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here, guys. But uh, any final parting thoughts, um, you know, for the second half of the preseason? What what should we expect? Um, what do you think, Matthew? Um, I think it's hard to know what because there's still going to be a lot of tweaks and changes so don't uh put in my in my column in my article today rather is that bob lily said he's still not going to know his first 11 and his mm -hmm. starting 11 probably until 10 games into the usl season so don't get too hyped up about if there are any good performances from uh from certain players because there's still going to be tweaks or even bad performances they're still going to get uh along the line you know three games to go so there will there will still be some tweaks but as long as the final product works out you know Come May, June, in the you know business end of the season, that's all you really need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Colton. Yeah, and and you know, sort of like Bob said, following the first and and second games, um, you know, the tactics are going to 
adjust based off of the personnel, right? So as we see sort of a rotation of these guys and that that starting first 11 gets solidified over the course of the early season, you know, you're going to see some different looks. You're going to see some different things as the team experiments to figure out what really works, right? Um, replacing replacing 20 goals from Dequa is a task, and it's a big task to put on a singular player. It's a much easier task if you take the team as a collective and you try to figure out, yeah. can we get five here? Can we get three here? Can we get eight there? Yeah, I, I totally expect that. And and I honestly, knowing Bob, that final 11 doesn't really get solidified until maybe September, you know, as they get ready for the stretch run. Because then that's like, okay, now we're ready to go. And he kind of sticks with that group once he gets to September into October and so on. So, but it's, it's, it's soccer and it's going to be a, a evolving thing anyway. So, um, all right, well, definitely looking forward to, uh, the next few weeks, uh, getting out, catching some preseason action. We got WVU on Sunday. Uh, we got Pitt the following week. So those should be some fun scrimmages and we'll get to see some, some good friends on both sides. Uh, we have uh, good friends at WVU side, um, you know, uh, Coach um, Strassman and and Coach Nick Noble um, uh, with WVU. And then, of course, Pitt, you know, obviously we cover very closely here. It's Pittsburgh soccer now. And, um, you know, it's it's early, it's spring. But what's nice about Pitt is that they have um, – They've announced a few of their transfers already, and they have some transfers in spring, uh, playing uh, in the spring with them. So that I, I think will be really fascinating to see um, uh, as they just, you know, get together. Results really don't matter, but uh, just getting the eye test, uh, it will be nice to see how some of those guys do. Um, and then, of course, for the Riverhounds, you know, Louisville City uh, before they start the season uh, in New Mexico. So, guys, um should be uh it should be a lot of fun uh the season is is going to be here before we know it yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah very all right guys well thanks again for joining me on another episode of here sounding off on soccer there'll be more episodes we are going to bring the whole psn crew together just before the start of preseason uh be before the start of the season with our annual predictions uh fun we have a lot of fun with that um, so I'm, I'm sure both of you, uh, would love to have you, both of you part of that as well. Yeah, of course. All right. Thanks guys. And have a good night.